Well, hi, my name is Mark Tuchel, and welcome to my Living Sober Sucks, but Living Drunk Sucks More podcast. This is the audio version of my written blog, and the title of this piece is called What You Think is Sometimes More Important Than What You Do. Yeah, I know, actions speak louder than words. Sometimes. Now, I'll grant you that your actions do often speak louder than words. I, mean, I can say I'm going to do something, but until I actually do it, it doesn't mean shit. But I also know that I can think my way into all sorts of shit. I can think my way into drinking, cheating on my taxes, stealing, being lazy, whatever. My thinking, uh, the self-justification or rationalization, precedes my actions. Now, many great philosophers and writers have said it in various ways. What you think, you are. But just because you think you're something doesn't make it so. I can think I'm a great singer, musician, or a football player, but that doesn't make it so. Nor will my thinking it make it happen. You are what you do, but what you think often determines what you will do. Now, if you think you're weak and filled with defects and constantly repeat it, you'll fall prey to your own thinking and words, but not always. I mean, some people go to meetings and they say those words just to either appease the crowd, appease their sponsor, or to appease their P.O. Now, plenty of people attend religious services, recite all the right prayers, but they know that they're doing it just for show. So even thinking, acting, and doing doesn't change who they are or what motivates them. You confused yet? Uh, I don't blame you, because a lot of what we think, what we do, and why we do it is complicated and confusing. As I said in the other article, your mind, your emotions, your thinking, and your behaviors don't always have logical reasons behind them. The human spirit cannot be compartmentalized and explained in modules. I mean, hell, I don't know why I like half the things I like or why I do half the things I do. I really don't need to know why, and I don't need to ponder this out too far. I just need to consider whether the things I like and do are self-destructive, proper, socially moral, or not. Yeah, I'm quite capable of massaging my way around proper and socially moral, but I know what's self-destructive and what isn't. And you're not dumb. You know what's self-destructive for you as well. Now here I want to go back to the previous subject of excuses. You know, a big part of accepting our own excuses is how we think about things and how we think about what's going on in our lives. You know, we've, we've all had plenty of those days where, you know, it just seems like nothing goes right. Whatever you touch turns to dog shit. I mean, you want to hide and not touch anything. I've had plenty of those days. You know, one thing goes wrong and another and another, and I think, oh, fuck, it's just one of those days. Well, it isn't one of those days, and it doesn't have to be. It's just happening within my thinking and how I'm viewing things. Now, I admit, it's not easy, and it doesn't always work to, oh, just put on a happy face, and then go about your life when everything around you appears to be going into the toilet. I mean, when your world appears to be cratering around you, this brings on depression, which brings on more depression. And then while in the throes of depression, we might become weakened and default back towards self-destructive habits. I know what it's like to feel painfully depressed. You can't always just will your way or think your way out of it. Through my research and experience, depression can be softened by reframing how you think of yourself and how you think about your situation. 
but some sort of action needs to be performed first or accompanied with the change in your thinking. Hey, if I sit around moping and brooding, I I can't will my way out of depression, no matter what kind of happy thoughts I force through my mind. I must do something. Activity seems to work best for me when I need to pull myself out of depression. Now let's talk about when you have one of those days for a minute here. Now I'm going to use my own situation as an example and ask you to think about similar situations that are unique to you in your own life. Now some of you know I travel in a big giant uh, tour bus. Now yeah, it's a rolling house, so things rattle, break, fall over, or wear out. Now when shit begins to break, I think that the universe has singled me out and is conspiring to fuck with me because I'm a loser. I think, well, for fuck's sake, why did that have to break now? Well, the answer is, it broke because it just did. So get over it and fix it. Well, here's the weird part. Uh, Because when I do fix it or circumvent the problem, I don't think, wow, I'm pretty lucky I fixed that, or hey, that's cool, I'm smarter than I was giving myself credit for. Instead, my thinking continues to focus on what broke or what happened, not what I did to fix the problem. Oh, and then my mind seeks out and usually finds more problems, and I key in on everything that can go wrong. Now, I've come to realize that if I think everything will go wrong, then my actions will often follow and set the stage for wrong to happen. The reason is because my thinking may not be as focused towards problem solving. I may not be as careful or as thorough in my work. I may not do as good a job as I normally would have. And then when my substandard actions and the results from my actions fulfill my own prophecy, I can say, see, it didn't work. I told you I'm a royal fuck up. But that's when I need to change my thinking about myself. I need to say, no, Mark, you're not a royal fuck up. You're smarter than that. You just need to pay attention to the task at hand and do the job right. Now, I also find it interesting that we often believe that our actions and behaviors are a result of our conscious thinking. But many of our actions are a result of social and peer pressure. But we tell ourselves, well, I acted this way because I'm smart and I thought this out. Look, we're not weak and impressionable because we respond to social and peer pressures, but everything around us, including our circle of friends, has an impact on our thinking, and then our behaviors tend to follow. So let's say you find a wallet in a locker at the gym. You return it to the front desk, and you feel good about it. You say to yourself, I'm an honest person. But there was a lot going on here. You may have returned it because you want to avoid bad karma in the future. Maybe you returned it because you unconsciously wanted to be seen as an honest person. You may have returned it because you thought you saw someone else watching you. I mean, Maybe you returned it because that's just how you are. Whatever your conscious or unconscious reasons were, you probably did it because society, your peers, or maybe your religious teachings told you that it was the right thing to do. Man, why not? Doing a good deed boosts your own self-worth. But what if your circle of friends or your background wasn't so stellar? What if your thinking was in a weakened state? Then the wallet incident could have turned out different. You end up rifling through it, grab the cash, and toss it in the garbage. You rationalize and validate your behavior. Well, the dumb fuck shouldn't have left it in there. It's his own fault. See, thoughts and actions work together. Sometimes it's better to take action first, then adjust your thinking. 
But notice what happened in the above scenario. The action of returning the wallet resulted in thinking, I'm an honest person. The action of rifling through the wallet resulted in thinking, well, it's his own fault for leaving it there. Changing the sequence, thinking first, action second, or changing the thoughts between the two individuals may have turned an honest person into a criminal and a criminal into an honest person. Confused yet? Yeah, well, let's continue on. There are some new methods being used in psychotherapy. Instead of doing psychoanalysis and delving deep into an individual's past, the patient is guided to first change their actions and behaviors. Now, this technique assumes that when the behavior is changing, the inner self-talk will follow and the patient will change in positive ways about how they think and how they feel about themselves and then cascading them along into permanent change for the better. The results from this style of therapy and guidance are showing promising results. Now, here are my suggestions on this. When in doubt, take some type of action. You know, typically, thinking comes first, then action. Well, I found it's helpful to reverse the order when your thinking is in a slump. Do something, even if it's only mildly productive, but take action and then think about how you acted or what you've accomplished. Your thinking and your actions are in collaboration. When they're both working towards good, the end result will usually be good. But if your thinking or your actions are faulty, then most likely they'll feed off one another and they'll both be faulty. And like it or not, or agree with me or not, social pressures and peer pressures do influence our thinking. I believe this is something worth being aware of. Now what you do about it is up to you. But you can use your peers, I mean, at least the ones you trust, to bounce ideas off of. As I mentioned in the article on excuses, I can find the flaws in my thinking when I ask a friend to repeat back to me what I've just said. I'll often hear an excuse. It doesn't sound like an excuse when I'm thinking it or even when it's coming out of my own mouth. But it sure sounds like an excuse when I hear it coming from someone else's mouth. Now, in the next article, I ask the question, what image do you project? See, the image of yourself that you present to the world has a big effect on how you think, what you think of yourself, and how you behave. So please check out the next article or podcast titled, What Image Do You Project? Hey, and thanks for spending your time with me in this podcast or article. My name is Mark Tuchel.